At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And for the first time in 2020, we are live in the Cafe Hangout. Welcome, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting welcoming all of you to the year 2020. That's We're right. Here. We made it. A little, mu- about a month late, but you know, we we have our own calendar here in the post wrestling cafe. Yes, it is. Uh, it is the brand new year. The hangout officially. Uh, we've uh, dusted it off, and here we are coming at you. And I think we'll go consecutive every every week for the whole year. I think we'll make it. You want to try? Mm, maybe. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. What, what interruptions could you? Oh, okay, well, that, that's absolutely not going to happen because uh, WrestleMania, we won't be able to. You do know the what? Show. Um, you think, think we can? We, I think we could try. I, I was asking our Airbnb about our uh, internet speed, and it, it should be decent. So I actually want to try that this okay. year. Okay. I don't think we've talked about this. It's uh, we are set for Tampa, Florida, for WrestleMania week. So we're going to be going down there and uh, announcements TBA, but we will be there uh, the week of WrestleMania, including on the Thursday. So. Uh, technology prevailing, we will maybe have an on-location edition of the Cafe Hangout. Maybe we can do it by that pool. Way too soon to... to uh, uh, Mark it down, Thursday, April 2nd. (laughs) It is the international edition of the Cafe Hangout, possibly. Well, uh, before we do that, let's get through this week first. How about that? Because after a week off, I don't like all the. There's dust everywhere. It's like you know who knows who's been touching all this stuff. I've missed the two fifty five p.m. waiting stress <laughs> run that I just was privy to here. Um, had you missed that way? Not at all. <laughs> Why won't this effing thing load? This, this stuff is just like. I, I, I never have a clear answer. I've been doing it for like months now, and it's like every week is something different that might be off. But nonetheless, we are up and running right now. Phone lines are open. 732-800-4423. We're going to be heavily reliant on your calls today. So uh, you can either phone in, once again, the number 732-800-4423, or Skype in by searching for Post Wrestling. And a little later on today, we are going to have... Our first guest on the Hangout this year. Yeah, Gareth. Gareth Hodgson, the founder of Grapple, which many of you listening to our podcast might be familiar with. It is a rating app that people use for rating wrestling matches. He'll be on to chat about, I think, the whole process of creating Grapple itself. But in particular, the Grapple 100, which is a list compiling the top 100 matches of 2019. So uh, looking forward to, talk to talking to him about that. But. Shall we just get right to the phones? Uh, if we've got calls, we've let's got go to calls. Them. Caller, you are the first call in the cafe hangout of the new millennium. Who is this? Can you guys hear me? I can. All right. Well, this is Tim from Ohio. Man, I'm feeling the pressure to deliver. I mean, you don't want to be the stinker caller. Um, Well, first, I have great news for you guys. There was a subway right across the street from CSU where I ran into a couple of postmarks. You're kidding. Oh, now, are you talking about a, no. a Subway sandwich or an actual Subway? A Subway sandwich. Okay. Of course. Wow. How did this I ran come in, up? Um, 
Well, the line for the main gate to enter the CSU was just massive. I, so I just decided, screw it. I had time, so I figured I'd wait to let the line clear out. Which, by the way, I don't know if there's been complaining about it uh, you know, online since, but I was there. It was the public's fault. Because once I did go up there, there was a woman from the building saying there's no waiting at gate B. It took me longer to walk over to the gate B than to wait in line to get inside. But there have been people that were complaining that they'd been standing in line for over an hour when there's a woman 10 feet away saying there's no waiting at this gate. Brutal. What, but what, what is he lining up for? To enter the building. CSU? Yeah, the Wolstein Center. Okay. Yes, this is for, for AEW. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't I say I was at Dynamite last night? We, we breezed past that, but I, I know what you were talking about. But nonetheless, you ran into some fans. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We were they were talking wrestling. I said something and they just casually mentioned you. And I, I one of the staff at the shop g- giggled when they were like, have you heard of post wrestling? And I was like, oh, my God, I love those guys. It's the wrestling icebreaker out there. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? That wasn't the end of it. Because on my way out, I saw a Pollock Club t-shirt. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding. Those are in short supply, I think. Those were, like, pulled pretty quickly because of a cease and desist, actually, from New Japan. I mean, (laughs) maybe you guys should consider doing a live show in Cleveland. I mean, it, it sounds like you're over. Man, Ohio. That's uh, maybe that's that that's on the to do list in in 2020. We will we will find out. This is this is great uh, empirical evidence to to do so, Tim. Thank you, Tim. What what, what else is on your oh. mind uh, in wrestling? how was the show? Yes. Oh, the show was a lot of fun. Um, the, it seems like they are learning and evolving because one of my complaints about the Pittsburgh show in October for Dynamite was they just had you there. You know, you're just standing around. They're not utilizing the screens or anything. This time, as soon as I walked into the arena, they had uh, the screens going put with vignettes featuring the talent. Mm. That's good. Do, do you find Great. it to be a dr- drastically different experience when you've got the, you know, the, the content during the commercial breaks as opposed to watching it on TNT? Well, I did not know what was what. But I would just assume because it was amazing how long some of the talents took. Like, I don't know what you guys saw of MJF's entrance with the Butcher and the Blade. That was picture in picture. Yeah. He owned that crowd. I would say as far as actual volume, he got more noise than Moxley. Really? Wow. Wow. Cool. Yes. I mean, obviously, he was the heel. They love Moxley. The most over thing of the night was Chris Jericho's theme song. Like, three different times, the crowd sang along with it. And when the song stopped, they kept singing the word. Yeah, that definitely came across on television. That was, uh, you know, it's it seemed on TV, Jericho and John Moxley were among the, the most popular characters on the show. But as you mentioned, MJF, too, getting a very strong reaction. Now, where did Britt Baker go? Because because I saw her in Pittsburgh, her hometown, 
where she was met with a lot of mixed reactions and apathy. But by God, a heel turn has made a world of difference because I would say she was in the top five heels of the night. They hated her, especially that Baker Mayfield comment. The guy sitting next to me lost his freaking lid. He almost stepped on my foot and jumped up was so mad. No, I thought the promo was great. I thought Britt Baker was one of the standouts on last night's episode. I think this turn has been great for her. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed that segment a lot. That was one of the highlights of the show for me. You know, that makes me feel really good because I just, well, I'll just be online and see people dump on Britt Baker. And it's like, I saw her come up because I don't live too far from Pittsburgh. And she was a regular on the Cleveland Indy scene. So I've probably seen her live the most out of anybody on AEW show last night. No, she's got, to me, a lot of potential in the, in this uh, heel role. But uh, thanks so much for the call, Tim. We really appreciate all the, the live feedback from the show. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Tim. Phone lines are open, everybody. one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three. John, anything uh, noteworthy you want to discuss, or should, should I kind of get into some thoughts about NXT from last night? Why don't you get into NXT? I can explain later why I have not seen NXT. Uh, so NXT from last night was uh basically uh the the uh i guess the finals of the dusty finals classic. of the dusty classic and also the show right after the uh, world's collide pay-per-view and what i did see was right off the bat which i didn't even think ahead of time of them even addressing i was kind of glad they went to this of beth phoenix reacting to what randy did to yes, adam absolutely. on monday ruining their weekend I I really enjoyed i think the attention to detail obviously if it was just beth resuming assuming her role um, something would have been amiss, but I thought Beth did a pretty amicable job acting out. I think the feelings of like a wife who was very distraught at what had happened to her husband, who you know was semi-retired from a major neck injury. It it so. just it, it's certainly something that we would have absolutely criticized if they didn't address it because that's a glaring hole. So I'm glad they did it. Um, but it was it was also something I wasn't even thinking of until I saw it that they would, um even address it so the way she explained it was you know adam told me to go out there and do my job because it's what i'm supposed to do and then she carried on the rest of the show as if she was assuming her other role yeah um you know separate uh, completely from her competitor self so that was cool i appreciate it the first match we had was finn balor versus trent seven and uh i enjoyed this match you know this was i wouldn't say too much of a back and forth it was largely balor in control of the whole thing and, and seven selling i really just considered it more of a showcase for balor which is i think ultimately what's important right now it seems like uh, a lot of the nxt uk guys especially i guess because they're in town coming off of worlds collide or in the country i mean um, they're starting to ingrain themselves a lot more to the NXT usual audience. However, it's still the NXT proper um, roster that I think still has to be showcased for these upcoming takeovers. So to me, this was a showcase for Balor, putting him over Trent Seven. Uh, I really like Balor's added aggressiveness. Could be just because he's a heel, but I think it also maybe has something to do with the fact that there's a slight style change in NXT that kind of facilitates, you know, more of an aggressive, hard-hitting style, which mm -hmm. he's been able to present really well. So and it Bal looks like they're eventually getting to Balor and Tyler Bate, which hmm. seems to be a, a direction that they'll get to after this Gargano sure. program. I did see the first half hour of NXT, so I did I did catch this part. So uh, this was also, of course, building up to the Dusty Classic Finals of the the Grizzled Young Vets versus the Broserwitz. And so we had a bit of a backstage interaction between uh, Pete Dunne and 
Matt Riddle, what did you get a look yeah. at this and what did you think? I, I liked it. I think Riddle and Dunn play off each other very well. And I think it's it's getting done a consistent role on the show. And I think it's really showcasing the personality of Matt Riddle, who I would say since they've gone to USA, I think Matt Riddle has been outside of that first week where it was him and Adam Cole. Um, was that the first head-to-head week? I think whenever. That was a phenomenal match. And to me, Matt Riddle's just been, a, you know, we talk about AEW not getting the focus on everyone. I think NXT, Matt Riddle has certainly be a vi- been a victim of that up until this Dusty tournament. For sure, for sure. I thought it was a pretty brilliant move from whoever decided to put these two together. I mean, they they have the odd couple thing. They, it's like you could put any two wrestlers together, but I think to find you know the hook, to find the way that that you present them to the audience is really key. And whoever decided to put these two together decided to look at them and look at how completely opposite the two of them are. Two guys who probably would likely never hang out, and so they seem to emphasize those differences by having riddle pretty much call out like mock essentially how serious pete dunn is all the time by sarcastically saying oh my my friend peter he's the life of the party look at him smile uh cheek to cheek and it gets a great reaction it gets it, it helps give a personality to pete dunn in a way and i think it helps present to the audience like the type of person that matt riddle is um and their matches have been dynamite so that's it's it's, it's, it's been a really positive tournament for these two. We have uh, throughout the show teases of uh, this five or sorry, two five twenty um, thing that they seem to be for next week. Then two five twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not who, much um, lead time to reveal whatever this is. Who do you think it is? I don't I don't know. Um, I don't feel like this is a show that we need to be debuting new people. Um, is there anyone that's been out for a while? Um, Could be somebody new. Could, yeah, it it very well could. Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Deanna Parazzo, uh, both both of these two looked really good. I thought. Whoa, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, whoa! Do not vary the lead of what? Shotzi Blackheart's entrance. Oh, she came out in the in the dude. This is like a children's a, toy. She came out to the point that Beth said her kids are going to want this thing. I want one of these, dude. Her and Chad Gable uh, could maybe be uh, a grouping together because she looked like a ten year old coming out in this little kids. I, like little like truck. I thought it was cool. Oh, I liked it. I I don't think it made her look like a kid as much as it you know just made her look fun. You know, it looked really ridiculous to me. Like this thing's so tiny that she's like that's the joke. <laughs> she okay. looks like a cartoon. Okay, but I think that's the appeal of like some somebody like a Shotzi Blackheart, and I think right now we're seeing that she's seemingly like leapfrogging over much of the NXT women's roster that's been there before. I mean, she her. got that huge spot eliminating Shayna, mm-hmm. um, then she, got the match with Shayna. She, uh, she got a win over Deanna Parazzo here, and I feel like it's more so indicative of maybe how how much they like her personality and the the colorfulness of her character, and obviously her visual look as well. Um, it's what. Nothing. I'm not. I wasn't. What? I wasn't saying it. What was that? I was. I, I was. I was imagining. Had this been the structure in place when DX went to uh, Nitro, <laughs> if they all had their personal little tanks that they were driving it. This looked like the thing Fine. Sammy Guevara was in, in the, over the weekend. It might not be for everybody, but I guarantee you, it makes her identifiable, and I think it'll. It'll. It'll help her. It'll help her. It's like to me, she. She's almost like sort of like type of modern, cool looking baby face. That might appeal more to a younger fan in the way like a Darby Allen might as well. So it seems like, you know, she is among the crop of like the new NXT uh, women's 
class that's starting to debut right now with like you know Shayna perhaps moving on. Um, you got like people like Mercedes Martinez. You you have Shotzi Blackheart. You need somebody like a Chelsea Green as well making their way up. And it seems like Shotzi is like kind of one of their top stars that they're picking. So. She fe- seems to it feels like a featured performer now. Maybe let's take a break from the NXT review because we do have a phone call. Caller, thank you for waiting patiently. What's uh what's on your mind? Uh, not much. It's Vader from Phoenix, by the way. Hey, what Vader? I'm sorry. Sorry, what was your name again? Varush from this Phoenix. Varush. Varush, Varush, got it. What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Hey. Um, so, well, I mean, I only had a couple things on my mind, actually. Um, one, I had a small little note for you guys on a... I think you guys were talking about it at the start of your Raw review, and it's just something very specific to me, and honestly, probably Brandon. But uh, when you guys started talking about um, the drive time between, uh, what, I think, Alaska and Brazil... Uh, yeah. Was that what it was? Yeah, the drive, <laughs> the uh, longest drive you just, could possibly make from North to South America, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just uh, the part of me that works in logistics, it just it just warmed my heart. And I, and I was like, I was right there Googling this with you guys, trying to figure out, because I'm like, this is my, this is my expertise, I, and now I got to know. And it was just, I don't know, just hearing you guys talk about that, I'm like, the nerd in me, the logistics nerd in me really came out. <laughs> so it's actually not possible because of this thing called the Darien Gap. We've been, I've been. Informed. Yeah, that's what I've learned as well. Yeah, it's it's it, it's, it was, a, it's it a break across the North and South American continents within Central America that is basically undrivable. So, sorry. It's unfortunate. You'll have to take the Jericho cruise around. Yeah. What's on your mind? Um, nothing. So I, I'm sure you guys have seen um, all the rumors swirling around around Brody Lee signing with AEW. See them. Um, so from what I'm hearing, obviously with the no compete, he can't start until around March. Do you guys think that is too long to play out? If a, I mean, I don't know what they have in mind. I mean, obviously it's just rumors at this point, but as a possible leader of the Dark Order, or do you think that's too close to what he was doing in in WWE for them to even like go that route. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's too long if, if that's, you know, your destination and you have it mapped out as such. Um, I, I don't know if he would necessarily be, that would be the role I'd want him in. Uh, it's a leader of that group. You could do it. It's, it, it would be fine. It's a new name. I but. do wonder how many candidates they have, you know, to slot into that dark order leader role. Um, like I've, I've heard rumors that it might've been, supposed to have been marty at one point um it almost seems like you could fit a wide number of people but how well would, would a brody lee do it's hard for me to say because i feel like i haven't listened to luke harper cut too many promos and that is the type of role that i think suits more somebody who who talks a lot yeah yeah i'm i mean honestly i'm just uh seeing well what was it the whatever last battle royal they had where they gave billy gunn the monster spot throwing everyone off i'm i'm just having some bigger guys in there i feel like would be good instead of having a grizzled old veteran throwing around all the younger guys and the monster spot in the battle royal i don't know mm-hmm. cool thank you for the call Varush. nice to hear from you again yep later guys see ya all righty uh shall we continue yeah go back to uh nxt i definitely want to hear your thoughts so uh, next up, we, we had Keith Lee here coming out. He is the new North American champion, of course, and so uh, was here to celebrate. But 
out came Damien Priest, out came Donovan Dijak, both of them essentially wanting to challenge him for the North American title. So those two go at it, and uh, they just quickly have a match together. And Damien Priest, his thing is that he holds his mic upside down. Like, rather than, like, you know, hold it, talking to it, like, you know, like an ice cream cone. It's like he holds the ice cream cone upside down. So he talks talks to his mic like that. It's okay. It, <laughs> it just looks wildly uncomfortable. Like, you've got to lift your arm all the way above above your head. But um, you're also ready to use it as a weapon at any point. Is that really the intent behind it? You think he brushes his teeth that way as well? <laughs> it would be a lot harder. Your, your gums would way? probably take a beating that way, but... Anyway, so everybody's just trying to come up with their own little thing, and, and his thing is he holds his mic yeah. upside down like Maybe that. Maybe one day he's going to be viewed as a like this inspiration for this whole generation of people <laughs> holding microphones differently, and it's like, no one did this before Damien Priest. Dijak calls him a bootleg Marilyn Manson, and these two have a match, and I thought this match was awesome. It was a match, I think, you know, between two very similar wrestlers. It was almost like two mirror images, like two tall, lanky guys who move like cruiserweights, who aren't afraid to take big risks. And these two, I thought, had a really spectacular match that went all over the place. A lot of, like, big, nasty bumps on the apron. Uh, just spectacular. And I highly recommend it if you didn't get to see it. I would love to see a more substantial version of this match at a takeover at some point. And uh, it was... Dijak winning this one with the feast your eyes. So I feel like NXT sort of like has a rep for having, you know, a smaller, maybe more cruiserweight based roster. But this mid tier crop of guys and like Dijak Priest and mm-hmm. Keith Lee, even Riddle, I think is starting to challenge that. And it's this sort of like mold uh, and stature of wrestler that I feel like Vince will probably have his eye on a little bit. Did they give quicker. any kind of indication of? doing Lee and Dijakovic again because this seemed to yeah. set up the next challenger. Yeah, I mean, this to me, I think, was almost an unofficial, you know, number one contenders match. So they, I don't believe they announced uh, officially that we, match. We've got but... four matches for TakeOver so far. Yeah. So, I mean, typically they do five, but we'll see what they do mm-hmm. um, if this ends up on that card or not. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa was in the back. He's like, you know, holding a steel pipe and he, and then uh, we cut to a scene of uh, the three members of the Undisputed Era outside of Adam Cole laid out in the back as Tommaso Ciampa walks out with the steel pipe. I bet it was him. <laughs> Maybe he just walked by. He just happened to have the pipe. Maybe they had food poisoning. So Ciampa comes out and then Cole comes out to, you know, because he's really angry about it. And these two just start to scuffle and they start to brawl and... Um, maybe my Adam Cole, you know, took a cue from uh Dom- Dominic Dijakovic because he was holding his mic and was ready to bludgeon Tommaso Ciampa in the head, and Ciampa like was busted open from this microphone shot unintentionally. It looked like so. Um, this was a contract signing as well. So Ciampa signed his contract, sent sent Cole through the table, of course, signed his contract, and then this audience starts chanting, "Use your blood, use your blood," and so. The man wipes his own blood on this contract. So we, so we got two blood contracts in two weeks. One intentional and probably fake blood, but this one with real blood unintentionally. So very unhygienic, especially with all this uh, coronavirus fear going around. So I would <laughs> I don't, anyway, but it looked really cool. Can I just say on a side note with like the coronavirus, which is very, very serious. Yes. I don't think it's like the subject of humor anymore. Oh, you don't have to tell me. Oh, yeah. but man. If if I have to see one more time, yes, I get it that this virus also happens to share a name with a brand of beer. I think everyone in the world gets it. Yes, we yes. we have drawn the connection. I don't need an update. 
Tiganox versus Dakota Kai. This was uh, the big match that they built up to, stepping off of um, the uh, War Games. Mm-hmm. So um, Tegan comes out, and then Dakota Kai comes out with her version of the Titan Tron that just is completely featured with Tiganox's screams from that attack, which I love. And so uh, the finish basically came as Kai was looking to cheat with the chair as Candice LeRae comes out and stops her from using the chair. And this distraction allows Tiganox to use the leg brace that Kai brings out on Kai behind the ref's back in order to get the win. I would say they created, you know, a pretty heated atmosphere for this match, even though perhaps I think the feuds cooled off in recent weeks. But the match itself felt like it was heated, like a direct continuation of that attack. I didn't love the finish. And I thought it was met with a somewhat of a tepid, flatter reaction, considering, I think, you know, the big angle that these two shot. I don't think it was the type of finish that the crowd wanted to see in that it was a babyface getting a win by cheating, like using a weapon in a two-on-one advantage that, you know... When I when I think about Tegan, like if somebody attacks you like that, that personally, I feel like a win or loss should be less important than just delivering punishment. And so this almost made it look like she was looking for an easy way out of the match by attacking behind the rest back and then just going for the cover and then just fleeing the scene rather than, you know, somebody who was looking to exact revenge in a prolonged way. So I thought it felt kind of flat and I would assume they would continue to do some sort of no DQ match or something out of this. Didn't feel like it was over. A knee brace. A knee brace on, on a, a pole. pole. Okay. So uh, then we had Chelsea Green with Robert Stone versus Caden Carter. Um, they were kind of putting, you know, a lot of hype behind, behind Chelsea Green's debut. Um, and it was a surprise finish as Carter got the upset victory here over Chelsea Green via roll-up. And I thought this was somewhat of a interesting, risky booking here. Having like, you know, the... Uh, the less promoted person beat somebody in their heavily promoted debut. And Chelsea got like an elimination in the Rumble too. She was the one who dumped out Dakota Kai, didn't she? I don't remember. Because they didn't actually. do it with uh, Tegan. Yeah, Tegan Knox wasn't even involved with Dakota Kai in the Rumble. I think it was Chelsea Green that got the elimination on Kai. So the booking was really interesting here. And this is looking to be as much of a push for Carter as it will be for Chelsea Green. So I expect this feud to continue as well. Uh, before we get to the main event, let's go to the phone lines just to take some of your calls. Caller, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hi, John. Hi, Way. It's Gary from London. Hey, Hello, Gary. What's up? Hey, um, uh, just a quick bit about NXT, about, about how they're booking the cruiserweights all of a sudden, or how I feel like they're not booking them. Um, we, we saw Leo Rush with the title. Since he lost it, I don't think he's been seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel Garza lost it at the uh, World Collide. He didn't get a spot this week. And also, I, I know it's not his WWE name, but the former Trevor Lee, he was in a number one contender's four-way about a month ago and hasn't been seen since. And as far as I know, these guys aren't injured. I'm just a bit worried that the cruiserweights are sneaking back to 205 and that they've got, as you mentioned, they've got a great heavyweight division. They've got a great sort of a big guy division. But I'm worried that they really could be going somewhere with the cruiserweights, but they're kind of rotating them in and out too much. and We're not getting anything from them. We got a great bit from Angel Garza for a few weeks, and I'm, I'm worried that if he disappears, that kind of momentum could go. I, I think that we're probably going to see more of them even migrating over to NXT UK because I think that is kind of the strategy of putting it on Jordan Devlin that now Mm. that NXT UK is going to be on BT Sport that they're going to beef it up a little bit with some of the cruiserweights going over there and having a WWE title to to focus upon is kind of driving people towards NXT UK. Um, 
you know, we, we talk about it all the time with AEW, but it goes just as much with NXT with all of their names as well that I don't think it's going to be uncommon that we see performers that are going to disappear for several weeks because of the limited number of spots, even in a two-hour format. And you just outlined mm. some of those examples. So I think for both companies on Wednesdays, that's going to be a tough balancing act of who are we pushing uh, because you can't push everybody. The the um, Jordan Devlin win, I thought I thought... I mean, outside of the reasons you mentioned, which, which make all the sense of the world, um, to take the belt off of like Angel Garza, who's who's been who's only had it for such a short amount of time and was doing so well with it, was really peculiar. And I, I am really curious to see how he moves on from here because I think it would be a shame to just have him all of a sudden, you know, be off TV for several weeks. When I mean, again, I look at you know, the, even a Raw or a SmackDown. Would be a great opening for somebody like him. Could, could, could you bring him up as Selena Vega's replacement for Andrade in this short period where, where he's off TV? That's what I was proposing. You know, him versus yeah. Carrillo, of course. You know, the two of them being uh, relatives obviously would have great chemistry. I think it would even make sense from a storyline per- perspective. If you're Selena Vega, hey, you took out my guy. Well, I'm going to use your own family against you. I think it would be a great way to debut him. Yeah, I think it would be. Because I, 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 I don't see her... Um, getting any time as a wrestler so keep her as a manager and keep her in that spotlight with mm-hmm. a new person i think that'd be great just one last thing i'm planning to uh do wrestlemania 2021 um so i'm looking very carefully at what you guys are doing at 2020 and hoping you're going to do the same when i'm there next year well we don't even know where wrestlemania is next no year, no so... no well, look, we we hear it's at where well, the rumors are la we're, we're i'm planning i've already got the spreadsheet going you know i'm already planning and saving so well, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll be announcing our Tampa plan soon, and then um, that's... I don't know what we're doing in 2021, but uh, we, will, we will do our best. <laughs> that's a bit far involved. You'll be the first. Thanks, to know. guys. Take care. Hey, thank, thank you. you for the call, Gary. Okay, yeah, and let's uh, just finish up here with our NXT review. Where uh, in the Dusty Classic Finals, we had the Broserweights, Matt Riddle, Pete Dunne taking on the Grizzled Young Vets. Zach Gibson and James Drake, and I thought this match was awesome. It was spectacular. I think ex- exactly as you would expect for a Dusty Finals. Um, I I didn't even really bother taking notes for too many of the big spots, but you saw the number. How much of time them. did they get? Oh, it felt like a good fifteen. Yeah, you know, uh, it was a main event level match. Doomsday Device, uh, in particular, from uh, uh, Drake delivering it via, via Tope to uh, Pete Dunn on the floor. Um, Really spectacular tag match. I was really impressed with Riddle and Dunn's chemistry, and I'm especially impressed, I think, with the Grizzled Young Vets, who, unfortunately, if you're on NXT UK for most ah, casual or even more than casual viewers, you're you're pretty much like sequestered on an island. Nobody really gets to see you. So I thought this this tournament has been an excellent way to to give them a bit of the spotlight to show that hey, over on this show that nobody's watching, you have a great tag team like this that you know, are very much, I think, at the class of somebody like, uh, you know, a Pete Dunne and, and Matt Riddle, at least in, as far as the tag team goes. So I, I, I would say, um, so by the way, uh, the uh, Bruiser Rates won, won this one. And uh, and they get the tag title shot in Portland. <laughs> yes, yes, they will. Um, <laughs> I, before, so I, I, I was going to say, I think the entire month has been, you know, uh, an effort by NXT to really bolster their UK show by showcasing a lot of this talent on on their TV. And um, that looks to continue with Jordan Devlin having an appearance next week on NXT proper. Um, I laugh because Moro closed this show off. And I wish you were watching this, Sean, because he says. The Broserweights are a team of dusty knee. 
Oh. <laughs> Dustiny. <laughs> Dustiny. It was just like amazing because you had like this big moment and the last thing you hear on the podcast. You could tell it's like that that was probably a line where the entire announce desk, probably everybody on the headset was just cracking up the moment they faded to black and went off air. Um, and Moro himself, I'm sure, first to just chuckle really hard at it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what an ending. It was a great ending to the Dusty Classic. Uh, what was also interesting about NXT on Wednesday night is that they didn't do the usual overrun yes. because now Miz and Mrs. immediately follows it on the USA Network. So I guess they're believing that they just want Miz and Mrs. to start right on the hour. And we see, we will find out later today how that might have affected the rating. Yeah, because that usually boosts up NXT's number by having that unopposed five to ten minutes after the fact. So um, anyway, it's... Uh, Sounded like it was mainly built around the main event, and we've mm-hmm. got a pretty solid takeover card in place now with four matches, and uh, that's coming up on the 16th. I enjoyed the show overall. It was good. I mean, I would say both this and NXT, or sorry, and Dynamite, I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like this, because of the Dusty Classic, maybe you had a bit more of a significant event to close off the show. Um, overall, I would say maybe not not necessarily a peak for either either show on Wednesday this week, but I I found both of them uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Back to the phone lines, caller, you're on the air. What's up? Hey boys, Paul from New Jersey. Hey Paul, nice to hear from you. Oh, uh, thanks. Hey, am I the first caller of the new season from New Jersey? I believe you are. Yeah. All right. Got him before Brandon. But speaking of which, before I, my question, I wanted to tell you guys because you were talking about the coronavirus and jokes. I. Uh, our our state school in New Jersey is Rutgers, Rutgers University, and my brother-in-law works there, and my young nephew um, goes there occasionally for, like, daycare and stuff. I get this text yesterday from an old friend who knows these two facts, and they send this first two cases of coronavirus spotted at Rutgers confirmed. I jump up. I'm freaking out. I'm about to call them. I click on the article, and it's a naked guy. and the rage that I felt, I like was so angry. Like I, so I definitely, when you guys, when John had mentioned that, I was like, I can't believe some of the stupid things people are doing. Um, but on a, on a more, on a wrestling note, I wanted to say, um, uh, with Shayna Baszler, am I on the, of the understanding, the reason she didn't win the rumble is because they felt it was too predictable. Uh, I, I can't I can't get into like anyone's head about why the decision uh, was made. Like certainly the Shayna one was I think that was most people's prediction going in, and they figured like this was the better route to go with Charlotte Flair. Even though I, I would disagree, I think that would have done number one. I think it would have been the best foot forward for Shayna Baszler to catapult her onto Raw. Second, uh, had they even kept Shayna off of Raw, I think that would have drawn a lot of interest to this week's NXT of Shayna showing up and curious about what does this mean for the NXT performer that has won the Royal Rumble for the first time. So, I mean, we'll see ultimately what this uh, grows into with, with Charlotte, but I mean, I, I think Shayna was the one that made more sense of the two. Yeah, the, the reason I bring it up is because you guys bring up predictability versus logical predictability. We've talked about that in the past. and like, I remember saying to myself, oh, my God, Bailey's getting called up to the main roster. She's going to be the next John Cena. There's no way they can screw this up. And I definitely said the same thing about the Street Profits, and they have been some of the worst segments of, of Raw in recent uh, history. So my, my question is, do you see Vince, based on Survivor Series um, match, which didn't go over very well, and 
I don't know, just do you see Vince souring on Shayna or was this just, hey, we're going to change this around and get there eventually? No, I don't I don't see them souring on Shayna. Like to me, you know, it was it was a flat main event at the Survivor Series, but look at the treatment they gave Shayna in the lead up to that. And I mean, she is still scheduled to be taking on Becky. So that's a major match at WrestleMania. So that that would not uh, infer that they have uh, lost any faith in, in Shayna Baszler. I just think they're going to go in a different direction to get to that match. But we'll see long term. I mean, every, everyone's a question mark long term in terms mm-hmm. of making that jump up. Some can be, you know, they're they're solid once they get up. Some are very unpredictable that that make it up there and others that, you, like you mentioned, that you think are slam dunks are far from it. Yeah, just watching those Street Profits promos, I just, I, I feel like I, I, those guys are so cool and so fun. It's just been, man, like, I just, you know, it's uh, definitely a concern. But uh, anyway, yeah, thank you so much for taking my call, guys. Thank you, Paul. We go back to the phone lines for one more call before we get to our guest caller. You're on the air, and if, uh, yes, if you don't mind just turning down the, the background. Oh, God. Uh, my, my apologies, man. How are you? He's back. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back in the cafe, man. You made it. Yep. It's been a long, it's been a long month. Kept I haven't your, talked to you guys in a month. Kept your seat warm. Just so over there in the corner. So welcome back. <laughs> and I'm just location, right? Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> um, how are <laughs> There's that laugh. We've missed this. We've missed this since Friday. Oh my god! Are you gonna make it? Yeah, I'm good. Dog. Okay. I'm good. I'm good, dog. Uh, I was just getting over the uh, the battle of Alberta last night, eh? Pretty rough. Uh, but oh. yeah. Uh, Is this with Calgary and Edmonton? Oh yeah, Zach Cassian, man. What a, what a tough guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great stakes. <laughs> anyway, John. Uh, speaking of tough guys, uh, you think Segato is? Uh, Got his washed after that performance against Curtis Blades, or uh, it's heavyweight and he'll bounce back with a uh, big I, victory and get get back in the mix. I, I wouldn't be writing off uh, Junior Dos Santos, especially given the fact that this this is at heavyweight, where I think you can get back into the mix fairly easily. But um, for Curtis Blades, I mean that was an enormous win for him on Saturday. It's just he's kind of in no man's land at this point because uh, the heavyweight division, to me, it's just it's on pause until. Stipe and Daniel Cormier fight, and it looks like that isn't happening anytime soon. So for Curtis Blades, who's got the losses to Nganu, and you know it's a great win over Junior Dos Santos, but what does that really mean for him? To me, it's he's going to just either have to keep busy or he's going to be on the sidelines, and he's not even the challenger in waiting when you've got Nganu one step ahead of him. Oh, and Nganu is fighting that... Uh... Uh, that, that, Rosenstruck. That guy. Yeah, yeah, Rosenstruck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you're not buying into Rosenstruck hype, right? I, I'm not. I think uh, he gets dusted by Kaganri. I mean, I know he got the the flash knockout against. Well, it's not a flash knockout, but I mean, he beat over him at the last second at the buzzer. But uh, yeah, I'm not buying into his hype. I, I, I think he gets starched by uh, Ngannou. And 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 one more thing, I just want to thank all the people that that held me down while I was banned. Uh, on Twitter, I, I appreciate the cards and, and the love le- the letters and stuff. Uh, the support okay. has been tremendous. You are back. I love now. you guys. You are back. Uh, now, I love right? you guys. I'm back. Yeah, okay. you got my message right. Uh, I did. I guess I did. You're right. Yeah. So welcome, welcome back to the cafe and to Twitter, <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> welcome back to civilian life, Brandon. Yeah. Now that you're out of prison, it's great to have you back among the public. 
He he hung up. Oh, good. well, that was very rude. <laughs> a wild exit. Um, always a pleasure to hear from Brandon. Uh, we're gonna get our guest on very quickly, John. But uh, yeah. Um, so I want to uh, mention like a, a few news updates. Uh, we got AJ Styles. He was on his uh, his Mixer account, which I guess is you know where you, where you go to now to give Mixer. Inter- oh, okay. Isn't it Mixer? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he just confirmed he has a separated shoulder. Um, but he is adamant on being back in time for WrestleMania and yeah, just seems, you know, just took that spear in a awful angle and you know, it was, it was plain to see when you, when you watch it, um, the way he falls and just getting out of the match like that. So, Hmm. um, hopefully he has a speedy recovery and it looks like, you know, hopefully, uh, unless there's any complications, it shouldn't affect him for WrestleMania. So Joe as well, Joe's got the concussion, no update there. I mean, with a concussion, it's. You kind of just have to wait. It's it's not really much you can do to speed up that process, mm-hmm. unfortunately. We go to our guest right now, joining us, Gareth Gareth Hodgson from the Grapple app. Are you there? Hi, are you okay? Hey, how you doing? I'm okay. How's things? Things are very well. Yeah, uh, listeners of the show, of course, know know about the Grapple app. Uh, I use it myself just to, uh, as a way to catalog all of my match ratings. But we wanted to have you on specifically this week, Gareth, just so that we can not only talk to you about I think the experiment experiment of Grapple itself uh, in its first year, but also the Grapple 100 that you've compiled. So, um, first of all, um, let's talk about like the project itself. Like, what made you decide to start Grapple? Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where it was, it was, you know, it was in my mind for, you know, a long time. I've always been quite big on lists and data and things like that. Going back, like, I always remember getting the first PWI 500 and things like that. And, you know, as a kid, just pouring over that and, you know, looking at all the rankings and seeing all the different names and things like that. And then kind of, um, as I got older, really, um, you know, working in a, in, in a job that involves data, so kind of lended itself that way. But then, um, probably like the big prompt for me really was, you know, I started to use this app called um, Untapped, which was about a beer rating. And um, I seen, you know, myself and, you know, so many different people just like logging beers that they were drinking and different beers and things. And, you know, at the same time, I'm on Twitter and I'm seeing people, you know, complaining about Meltzer ratings and things like that. And, you know, for a couple of years, I was just thinking to myself, why isn't there a wrestling version of this? And then I think, I think I kind of, I sort of, got to, I think I was coming up to like my 40th birthday and, you know, it's one of them big milestone kind of things. And I think I just thought, right, let's, uh, let's go for this. Why don't, why, if, you know, if nobody else is going to make it, why don't I try and uh, see if I can do it? Cause I was kind of feeling fairly confident that if, if I was thinking that way that, and seeing what you see on Twitter and hearing people on podcasts and things like that, I thought there's surely there's people out there doing the same and, you know, lo and behold, you know, launched it about, yeah, fourteen months ago, and yeah, first year's first year's gone great. It, it seems like it, it it it's exactly kind of what you forecasted. That I think once people have experienced this app and and tried it out, it's it's just such a great resource to see what other people are thinking about matches. I mean, match ratings are always something that draws a lot of debate amongst people, and it's always like a great debate to have. As you have seen over the past year, uh, d- d- have you found like there's certain Certainly you can look at an example like an Okada match that it's going to be largely a degree of how great was one of his big matches. Do you find it's better when there's a more polarizing match out there like a Kenny Omega, John Moxley, that's going to get people arguing both sides of whether 
it was great or not. What's kind of any patterns you've seen among the reaction to certain styles of matches? Yeah, you know, I think I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there with the the Akada type match. You know, I think as I, you know, obviously, you know, you've referenced looking at the the, the Grapple One Hundreds, and you know, of of the hundred forty four of the matches come from New Japan, and you know, I think that you know you do get with uh, with with New Japan, especially at the top end. You know, I think you do just get a lot of you know very positive ratings, and it's you know just you, you get your odd contrarian or you get your odd person who's a harsh rater who maybe pulls something back a bit. But you know, you typically see in the main that the ratings are you know. Um, further at, at that end, I think where it comes and you, you see a bit more polarization. Sometimes I think it's it's probably more like WWE product to be honest. And I think it's you know when we've seen things like I think Pete Dunjo Coffee for example, that first one you know there was real polarization there, and there was some people who absolutely loved it, you know, absolutely hated it. I think we've seen that with you know a lot of a lot of other um, a lot of other WWE matches as well. You know, I think they've been. You know, when you look at the hundred, they're they're very underrepresented, and I think it's because there's a there's a lot of people there who maybe I don't know the 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 breadth of product that they're watching isn't as is, isn't as wide, and then you know maybe rating things higher. Whereas you get these people who are watching everything New Japan puts out, or they're watching your Miyaharas and things like that in all Japan, and they're sort of a, <laughs> much more discerning about the ratings that they're putting out there, and you know that's where you you see the um, see things polarize a touch more. Can you re- reveal perhaps, you know, where most of your audience might live and how much influence do you think that might have on sort of the, the body of research that you've conducted? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I, I probably expected that in the first year, just obviously with me being based in the UK and, you know, just generally kind of like a lot of social media activity from friends and friends of friends and things like that, that we'd probably end up with probably a more UK centric audience in the, in, in the first year. But as it's happened, um, I think the last time I checked, it was approximately sort of seventy percent North America, um, around about fifteen percent from from UK, and then the rest just sort of dotted around the globe. So we've got little pockets in uh, in Germany, little pockets in Australia, you know, smaller in in, in Japan um, um, over, over that way. But you know, I think um, you know broadly broadly speaking, it's it's you know it's a you know, probably a wider audience, really, than I would have expected in the, in the first year, if, I, if I'm telling the truth. So, so we're here to talk specifically about the Grapple 100, which is uh, basically a compilation, uh, a listing of, of the top 100 matches as listed by the app over the course of the year. And I, I think while looking at it, I, I was actually very surprised at perhaps how international I think a lot of the selection came. I feel like, you know, much of um, uh, maybe if, if you're only strictly talking to either a North American fan or maybe even just a strictly Japanese fan, um, it, you know, t- we tend to be perhaps a, a bit more exclusive, but like, um, looking at this list, it, it features just a wide number of, of promotions, both in the UK, of course, but also Japan and also North America. So that by the end, it, it does feel like a pretty comprehensive full list of like all the wrestling that's really out there. So talking about the 100, um, can you reveal to us any sort of interesting stats, uh, top performers, and other like inf- interesting insights that you you gathered from all this? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think one of the first things that, that stood out. I mean, I've already, you know, I've already referenced New Japan there, but um, 
you know, 44 of the 100 matches coming from, from New Japan. But the, the second most represented promotion was, was All Japan. And, you know, 13 of the, of the 100 matches came from, came from All Japan this year. And, you know, I think while I had a specific criteria of a minimum number of ratings to be, to be, um, to be awarded, to be able to be included on, on the app, so you're seeing maybe fewer people are rating All Japan matches compared to New Japan or NXT or AEW or something like that, you know, it was probably still a surprise to see that that many come out. And, you know, for me, it certainly made me think, well, you know, probably should be watching a bit more All Japan. Um, you know, I think a lot of those came from um, Kento Miyahara. Nine of those uh, were, were Miyahara matches. So I know that certainly at the back end of the year, I've, you know, been uh, digging out a lot more All Japan matches than I probably would have done previously and, and, and been watching, watching those. You know, I think at the other end of the spectrum, um, I think it's probably from a promotion standpoint. I think the the fact that WWE main roster is so underrepresented, really, given obviously the prominence of the promotion um, in the world. You know, we've got I think the highest rated main roster match was Daniel Bryan against Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania, um, and that came in at number forty seven. So it sort of just cracked, just about cracked the top half. And then the only other two that made the hundred were. The Elimination Chamber match with uh, Brian Styles, um, Kofi, etc., um, all the way back in February, and then at '99 was the the Rollins Styles match from from Money in the Bank. So you know, literally just three WWE main roster matches making the hundred, which I don't know. Although maybe not that much of a surprise to me watching some of the product this year, but um, you know, I think I think it was still given the given the volume of matches that they're churning out, you know, and, and obviously the the status that they have. I think I think I think that was definitely a uh, definitely a big surprise to me. You know, I think the uh, the breadth of of representation of promotions was one of the great things for me when I was putting the list together because you know you said their way about being. I don't know. Surprised about the the um, how many different regions, how many different promotions were on there, and you know within the hundred we had seventeen represented in in total. So you you had matches from AAA and RevPro, Progress, Dragon Gate, you know OTT. Um, you know literally, you know we're, um, we're 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 representing different areas there of, of the world. WXW as well. So you know I think for I think certainly while I reference the background of the app. Um, as you know, in in terms of the way I construct, constructed it, thought about it, yeah, I like the idea of of having this ratings, uh, ratings app. But for me, there was you know very much thinking about, wouldn't it be great if there's kind of this single resource and it means that you can kind of just cherry pick different matches from around the world and everyone's so time poor these days and I don't know you've got the people who are maybe stopped tuning in for three hours to Raw every Monday night and they maybe want to still watch a bit of wrestling and try something a bit different and um, you know maybe something that's at the higher level then I think you know something that we're seeing there is people are using the app to you know check out Beyond or check out you know different um, WXW matches or check out something from Japan or something like that so you know I really feel like we've um, We've, we've succeeded from that point of view. You brought up AAA there, and I was just curious what the kind of engagement you see among Lucha Libre, because I always see that as, you know, it's so popular there, and yet I feel on a worldwide basis, it. I, I don't think necessarily the coverage always equates to, you know, the number, uh, like the numbers that they draw down there, and, and I would include ourselves as well. Like our Lucha coverage is, is not very extensive. Um, I'm just curious if you kind of see that uh, as a similar pattern or um or differently yeah i mean i'll be honest um you know it's it's 
both AAA and um, CMML were later additions to the to the app. Um, you know, sort of. I think I added AAA around about Triple Mania time, but you know, for Triple Mania, we got some. You know, we got you know close to you know 100 people rating that, which you know, again for that going, you know, I think it was like live the week before on the app. You know, for for us, it was. It was it was good to see that many people rating things. There's there's definitely a drop off when it comes to uh, lower level um, lower level events. Um, again, I say I've added um, CML to the uh, to the app um, this year for, for 2020. So it's only really been on there a month, and I've backlogged a couple of other other matches. But you know, I certainly see it as a as a growth area when you think that there's you know you you know literally on twitch and, and youtube and things like that you know they are putting matches up there for free that you know you can you know people can go out and watch so you know fingers crossed this year we'll see a lot more um a lot more great matches come through those routes that people are rating and then you know it'll help direct people to these different promotions and hopefully you know raise awareness of different wrestlers or just again get people watching different things which you know hopefully hopefully come across really well Gareth mentioned how, you know, uh, you have to have a certain number of ratings in order to be considered for the Grapple uh, 100. And so uh, he actually published a list called the Sleeper 25 that are uh, uh, basically the top 25 rated matches that don't necessarily meet that criteria. And I thought this was really interesting, you know, going talking about what we're talking about, about uh, what people can potentially look out for that might be out there that is a very high quality, but unfortunately is not getting the amount of press that, that say like a, a new Japan or AEW or WWE match uh, might be. And so um, maybe uh, I'll just go through maybe your top five here and the sleeper 25 at number five, you have Jack Bonza versus Mick Moretti from PWA's the fight for black metal with a 4.5 rating out of 19 ratings. Uh, number four, you have Momo Wat- Watanabe versus jungle Kiona from stardom with a 4.53 rating uh out of 15 and then number three you have arisa hoshiki versus tam nakano from stardom as well with a 4.56 out of 24 ratings and then number two from big japan yuji okabayashi versus takuya nomura with a 4.58 rating out of 15 and number one in your sleeper 25 from ddt's peter pan show tetsuya endo versus konosuke takashita takashita from uh, which is a uh, 4.68 rating uh, with 29 ratings. So uh, really interesting research, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it was one of those where, you know, I'm always keen to, again, try and promote these uh, these ones which get get high ratings and, you know, they, 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 they you know, fall a bit short really from a, from a number of ratings point of view because, again, it kind of comes back to that objective of getting people's eyes on, um, you know, wider, you know, wider product that's out there. I mean, number five on the list there, the one that you referenced, the Jack Bonds and Mick Moretti for for a lot of the year, that was like number one on the sleeper list um, throughout the year. And it, you know, it made me seek it out and I subscribed to PWA um, to their on-demand service for a month, you know, just to watch that match, then checked out some of their other stuff. And, you know, I've got to be honest, there's no way on earth I would have done that previously, you know, just so, so again, you know, I hope it's, it's something that will help, uh, help other people out there, you know, find these, find these different matches and, and, you know, hopefully support more promotions around the world. And it's, it's not just a sleeper list though, as well. You know, I think when you, you know, when you look, um, within the, within the grapple hundred itself and, you know, again, you just, you see matches there where like, obviously the Jordan Devlin, David Starr match from OTT, you know, was 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 heavily publicised for how great that was this year. But you know, at the end of the day, you're still talking about a 
relatively, you know, smaller um, Irish promotion, which, you know, again, you know, you'd like to think that hopefully you're helping raise the profile of, of that there, even right through to things that are represented on here, like your GCWs and your Beyond Wrestlings and, you know, your Rev Pros in the UK and things like that, that maybe that maybe don't have as much eyes on them as as normal. They've still got sufficient ratings here to to make the list. But again, it's, uh, you know, it's great to, great to get eyes on those different matches. So you can find those lists at grappleapp.com, G-R-A-P-P-L-A-P-P.com. And Gareth, would you mind revealing the top 10? No problem, right? Um, yeah, so in uh, in 10th place, it's the uh, Adam Cole and Johnny Gagano match from uh, NXT TakeOver York, uh, sorry, New York in, in April, um, which was... You know, heavily rated, 703 people rating that with an, an average of, of 4.6. Wow. Uh, number nine, we've got um, Shingo against Texas Unito from, from the G1 Climax. And that's a average rating of 4.61, so just sneaking ahead there. Um, Kenta Mihara against uh, Nomura from the, the Summer Explosion in, in September, 4.63 in eighth place. Um, number seven, we've got uh, Walter against Tyler Bate from... NXT TakeOver UK in, in, in Cardiff uh, in, in August, 4.66. And slightly ahead of that in sixth place, another Walter match against Jordan Devlin from, from OTT at their Scrapper Mania 5 in March. Um, so that's your, your, your 6 to six to 10. Um, uh, again, probably no surprises there to anybody. They're all uh, great matches that have been well-received this year. Um, and as we move into the top five, you've got a Cardiff versus Osprey from G1 at number five with a... A 4.68 average. Uh, Shingo against Ishii at four from the G1 climax with a, a 4.69 average, um, which you know that's the the highest rated G1 match overall, which was was a bit of a surprise. I know it was my personal favourite from that tournament, but um, again, you know, it, something that that sat right up there in the, in the in the grapple list. And as we moved into the top three, um, we had one which went all the way back to to January, so from Wrestle Kingdom 13, it was the Omega Tanahashi match, which Given the fact that 920 people had rated this, you know, it comes out with an average of 4.72, which to me is just ridiculous. Nearly a thousand people up until the cutoff point had rated that, and it ranks so high is is amazing. But in the end, it was a uh, it was a big uh, it was a big scrap for the top place by by two matches really. Now, now, is it tougher for some uh, a match to retain its spot over the course of a year because I guess more people will be rating it? Um, I think typically what you find is after you go over a certain number of ratings, it does it does level out to some degree. So you know by the time, say for example, there that Omega Tanahashi match, you know I think on the day or maybe not necessarily on the day on, on the weekend, it, you know it was up there in terms of having 600, 700 ratings. It was it was at that mark. I you know I think for the remaining 300, 400 that came in towards the end of the year, you know. Once you've got that number of ratings, people are general, you know, kind of your average is, is generally worked out there. And, you know, from a, I suppose, a statistical significance point of view, to put my day job head on, it's, um, it's very, you know, it's very much, um, you, th- there's enough ratings gone in there that it, it, things tend to main parity. It's, it's, it's very rare that you get something that gets to a certain level and then, you know, it tanks as the, as the, um, the year moves on. I, th- I think what, you know, typically what you find after a couple of hundred ratings are in, you know, Give or take, you know, 0.3 or 0.4%. It, it it's remaining pretty static, which for for me is great because it means you kind of 
I don't know, the, the data that you've got is very robust and it means that it's, you know, as accurate as it can be really with the, with the number of people that we're, that we're talking to. When you launched the app and kind of taking a lot of this very interesting data and finding a, an, a pleasing way to present this information, like you guys are very good when it comes to putting out these charts. They're very easy to digest the information as opposed to, you know, just putting all of this into a spreadsheet somewhere for people to see. Was was that something that you guys were cognizant of at the beginning of, you know, taking this data and also presenting it in a professional looking way as well? Yeah, I mean, I think from, you know, just again, I sort of referenced it there really, but, my, you know, from a, a day job, a career point of view, you know, I, I work in, you know, market research and insight industry. So in essence, my day job is taking data and taking information and trying to, you know, pass that on, relay that on to people in the most sort of com- easily to communicate way in a straightforward way, really. So, you know, I knew that sitting on the data that I've got, you know, I know that there's people out there who, you know, love to pour over that and see lists and see ratings as well. And for, for me, it was very much, yeah, you know, I need to make this as visual as possible, as clear as possible. Obviously, you know, the attention span on Twitter is incredibly short and, you know, it's kind of try to make something that's going to grab someone's attention and stand out really as they're, as they're scrolling down their feed. And yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully makes things bit more bit more consumable nice to nice to see you say that i've appeared to have achieved, achieved that anyway so uh, that's a that's a positive it's very clean it's a very clean looking app and website and so without further ado the top two of 2019 yeah. oh the drum rolls. Yes. <laughs> um i haven't got any sound effects unfortunately um but um in in second place uh, it ended up as the, uh, um, I think maybe the YouTube release hurt it a little bit really because uh, OTT put it out there for, for free on YouTube and that's when when this one did fall away um, slightly. But it's uh, Jordan Devlin against David Starr from the fifth anniversary show, which has a has a 4.81 average rating from, from 275 people. So absolutely phenomenal rating, you know, based on an average of that many people, it's a, it's a near perfect match and it almost feels criminal really for it to come in second place. But you know, number one, it's the uh, Shingo Osprey match from the uh, Best of the Super Juniors final, which uh, has 4.87 average from from 630 ratings. So again, you know, huge number of people rating it, near perfect average. You know, ba- you know, across all those different people, and you know, it's it's, it's one of them. Who can who can argue when when that many people have uh, have rated it? And you know, who can argue given given how uh, spectacular a match it was? Absolutely. Yeah. All, all worthy uh, contenders that you can certainly debate, which I, I'm sure you love when it's that kind of debate that, you know, uh, of a year like 2019, when it comes to the in-ring level that just continues to raise the bar each year. I mean, this is where we're seeing, I mean, it, it there was a point where I'm sure in many years, like a Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston might've been someone's top five match. Like that just shows you the the depth that we're getting that that's trying to crack the top 50 now of where, where the level has increased in the last 15 to 20 years. Exactly. And, you know, I think when I, when I broke the list down and I looked at it, the, you know, the top 30 matches had an average rating of 4.5 or above. And, you know, if, you know, if you think we're, you're getting into half stars or half ratings kind of thing for, for 30 matches in reality to be, you know, a pinch of salt between them really in terms of how, how, how good they are and been ranked 4.5 or above. It's absolutely, you know, amazing. And, you know, even the number 100 match had a had an average of, of, of 4.21, you know. So again, you know, still still really high there. So it just sort of shows the caliber of matches that are out there that pretty much you can look across, you know, 
nearly 20 promotions there. Everyone's got a four-star match. You know, everyone's pulling out multiple four-star matches, you know, so it, it just shows how, how spoiled we are really uh, in, in this day and age. As far as standout performers in the Grapple 100, you also publish a list of the of the MP, MVPs, and uh, I think you know to to the surprise of not too many people, Will Osprey uh, is featured 16 times in the Grapple 100 out of a possible 34 matches. So um, I think he kind of runs away as far as uh, volume with it. But uh, talk about maybe some of the other names that really stood out to you as as uh, on that list. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you say, Osprey was the obvious standout candidate. You know, there was sixteen of them with singles matches. He had another three tag matches as well, uh, really um, included there. So he he was represented nineteen times. Which, if you think one in five matches on the list were Will Osprey matches, it's it, it's pretty incredible. But you know, I think there was there was definitely um, there was definitely some different uh, performers beneath that that were you know really strongly represented for different reasons. So you know, I mentioned Kento Miyahara before. You know, he had. Nine matches that made the list, which um, you know, given given obviously, um, I think the the variation in opponents he had and things like that in all Japan, and um, you know, essentially, you know, leading the company at the top end, um, you know, I think for him to appear that many times was 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 absolutely phenomenal, and you know, and I think it really, I suppose, it really just emphasises you know that the, the the fact that there are people there outside of new japan and you know outside your, your um, top indies outside nxt that are, you know up there with anybody in the world and you know people should be paying more attention to you know i think at the, at the end of the day um you know i think another one that i you know highlighted today i put an article up on on uh, grapple today about david Starr, and you know i think whereas when you look down the contenders in the list you, you get people like you know, Osprey obviously on his 19, Miyahara on nine. You've got people like Ibushi on nine, Akaja on eight, Ishii on seven. But these are all people who are doing it contained within one promotion. And, and when you look at David Starr, he's, uh, he appears nine times on the list, and that's that's spread across six promotions. So he's, I think he's represented three times in OTT. He had a match at Progress. He had a match at Red Pro, a match from WXW. I think it was um, two from Beyond and... Oh, did we just, oh, we may have gone into the beyond. Oh, unfortunately, we might have been disconnected from uh, Gareth there. So uh, nonetheless, I think we're, our time was coming due anyway. So uh, we will have to maybe say goodbye to Gareth off air. But grappleapp.com is where you can find the Grapple 100. Is uh, uh, At Grapple App is where you can follow Gareth and all his work. And, of course, you can download Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L, on uh the App Store, everywhere you get your podcast. It's a very cool resource to have just to look at uh, d- different match ratings. And, of course, the Grapple app, uh, the Grapple Spotlight podcast, I would also like to mention. It's a, it's a great listen uh, with JP, Joe, and Benno. Sorry, my phone is off, so I'm waiting for it. <laughs> no problem. I was, I was scolded earlier about having my phone on. So. Thank you so much, Gareth, for uh, uh, jumping on the show. And uh, we await the ratings from the Wednesday night wars yeah do you have any uh any sense of uh what show was gonna have uh, the, uh, the larger interest yeah i mean i would assume that the trend would continue with the uh, aew i mean it's funny because over the past month that we've been away we've really kind of um the, the landscape's changed a little bit hasn't it i think we're still i mean to me it's like aew has a pretty commanding lead right now on wednesday nights i think it is uh the greater amount that that is their their show to tune into and i wouldn't say either show going into this week had um, a ton of buzz attached to it, 
Um, I think if you had teased something coming off the rumble for NXT, maybe you would have seen a hint of that. But, uh, you know, there wasn't beyond the Dusty Classic. I I don't know what was necessarily driving people to uh, NXT specifically this week. But uh, we'll find out momentarily and see uh, what the numbers can tell us this week. And then um, and then everyone online can go to war for the next three days and debate these numbers. Of course. uh, it is something to behold. Okay, we go back to the phone lines, and uh, I'm very happy to talk to this guy again. Our man, Neil, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing very well. What's going on? Yeah, it was great to hear from Gareth. I really enjoy the Grapple app. It's, I mean, it's, as you alluded to, way it's really well designed. It's very clean, lovely to use. Uh, but the most important thing about it is the user base is so great. Mm-hmm. In a short um, amount of time, too. I mean, all that, like, some of these matches getting rated, what, like a thousand times, it seems. So, yeah. Sure, yeah. It's, it's a, I rely on it. I'm not, I, I don't rate very much, but I rely on the excellent discerning, including you, of course, way, uh, user base, because um, you do get a window into some of the promotions that I, that I don't generally follow. Uh, you know, I, for instance, um, it's good for broadening your horizons a bit. I'm pretty much up on. Um, New Japan, but Big Japan, All Japan, NOAA, DDT are all a bit of a mystery to me, you know, apart from what WH will recommend on Twitter, which I'll dip into, but, um, um, and his recommendations are always great, of course. But, um, yeah, no, it's really good for that. I think, you know, for just opening a bit of a window. Um, for example, I saw, and I think you probably saw him, John. I, I, you can confirm or deny this. Um, Francesco Akira. Yep, yep. He was on the six. All Japan show, and he's got the uh, the junior heavyweight title match coming up. Yes, and secondingly, he's only just turned 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's a, a real star in the making. Um, and on a side note, I've recently started listening to the Grapple Spotlight podcast because WH and Jamesy have been recommending it a lot. And, uh, of course, Benno is on it, you know, so... He and JP and Rev Joe do a great job, but I'm still a postmark through and through, of course. You can listen to more than one show. We, Thanks, we wouldn't Wade. get mad. Yeah. <laughs> Just quickly, I want to say that one of my favorite things in all of the post-wrestling podcasts is on Ask Away, when there's a question that takes away a minute or maybe two minutes to read out, and the answer is, <laughs> you know, like, no, or <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm thinking about the, and I've been I've been on the other end of this, so I'm not making fun of any of the questioners, but I'm thinking of the Aqua Comeback album question this week, <laughs> yeah. which went into massive detail about those filthy lyrics and everything, and John was just, well, I've never heard it. <laughs> I mean, discussion. there's not much more to say beyond I haven't seen it. It's like me telling you for five minutes about this book and said, what are your thoughts, Neil? Well, I haven't, I haven't read it. I've, I don't have any thoughts yeah, yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it, because um, I... And it's it's funny that you should mention a book. I once asked a question on Ask Away about the Scott Pilgrim comic books, and I went into enormous detail in the question about how you felt as Torontonians about the fact that Sneaky D's and Honest Ed's and Casa Loma and all these places were depicted in the book, and neither of you had read it. So. <laughs> no, I wish I had more to say about it, unfortunately. but Well, yeah. I, in fairness, you had both seen the film, which, you know, you can make similar points about, and I think um, it wound up being a promo code, which is for your for your Black Friday sale or something. So that was cool. But um, and yet, of course, you get a question: What's your favorite pizza? And you go into a five ten minutes 
discussion, fascinating discussion about the death of the retail sector and the changing character of Toronto, you know, so it's, it's wonderful. But um, as usual, I'm sorry, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm gone way off the point. My main question was going to be, and you've, 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 uh, you've talked about this uh, yesterday, that I thought Drake Wirtz did an absolutely terrific job at Worlds Collide, yep. the main event, dealing with the Alexander Wolf situation. And also, much less important than Wolf's well-being, but he also handled it kind of without breaking kayfabe in as much as he he sent the teams back to their corners. He handled an obviously shocked-looking Bobby Fish really well. He did it terrifically well, and I just hope there's a new directive in place after the Kyrie situation um, that that um, is an example of. Um, my worry is we haven't seen this yet handled in a singles match where the match would simply have to be waved off. Mm. Do you think they do you think they have it in them to just wave off a contest when a wrestler has a suspected concussion? That's a good point. And, yeah, the the instances we've seen at least lately within WWE have all taken place within tags and so I mean, I do think back to like that time when when Balor um and and Samojo had their match and their Samojo drew blood. It was ba- Balor, right? Am I am I mistaken? Yeah, this was the yeah. Balor Joe match, and they stopped the match to check on the cut, and you know it was incredibly awkward. They, I suppose to they watch. stopped it several times. Stopped it several times. Um, so I would ho- hope that if in a similar instance, if, if if a performer was deemed to be concussed or just so, for whatever reason unfit to perform, that the, at this point they would recognize that and would just call the match off. Ring the bell. It's a no contest, yep. or the guy, the other guy wins, and you move on. You write your further storylines up after that. You know, like it's never the end of the world. It's pro wrestling. You can, whatever happens in real life, you can adjust your storylines to fit that narrative. And the audience, sure. more so than ever, understands that. So when something happens and it's, you know, trying to maintain the integrity of the match, like that's all fine. But to me, it's. It's not a priority for me in that situation. It's the guy's health. Like, if a match, it's one match at the end of the day. Like, even in the case of Saturday, yes, it's your main event. If if it was such a serious injury that the action had to be halted, you have a very understanding audience that I think the, the vast majority of, uh, you can give them enough uh, credit that they will understand a serious situation, and it trumps any any match to me. So... I think sometimes when you're in the moment, this is your profession. This match is a big deal to you. In that moment, mm-hmm. it is considered just, we, we can't possibly stop this match. But once you can have some time removed from that and look at the bigger picture, I think most performers would understand that that fact. Yeah, I agree 100%. Thanks very much, guys, for taking my call. Thank you, Neil. As always, pleasure to hear from you. All right, we have our numbers in. So from Wednesday night, AEW did 828,000 viewers. Uh, They did a 0.34 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which was third out of all cable programming, which is a very high uh, ranking for them. Um, And that topped NXT, which did a... 712,000. With a 0.22 in the main demographic. Uh, So that is listed as 37th here uh, for the night um, Mm -hmm. with other programming. So... um, you know, a another lead for AEW here. I'm just looking uh, and contrasting here some of the uh, the demo numbers here. AEW did a 0.29 among people over 50. Uh, NXT still had a commanding lead there with a 0.36. So uh, that is uh, notable. And then among 
people 25 to 54, we had a 0.36 to a 0.26. Um, anyway, the overall number, um, not another so, one. So AEW, AEW down slightly from last week. Yeah, last week's numbers, we had AEW 871. at 871 and NXT at 769. So both down slightly uh, this week. Okay. Too early to maybe draw any conclusions? Like, what would you say to, to uh, for, for either show for any of these? I mean, I... I see this kind of on par with what these shows were going to do this week. Um, I think for NXT or sorry for AEW now for their bigger shows, that's when you're looking at 920 to 950 as kind of the range they're at. I would, I would expect this kind of a number probably for next week as well in, in this range as well. I mean, next week's show has been built up really. It's around Cody getting the lashes. Like that's the main event of the show next week. That January 1st bump that AEW had, uh, you know, while we've been away, we haven't really had a chance to discuss this too much, but the, like in January when it did 967,000 and then slowly trailing down from, from that down to perhaps, you know, more regular numbers, that it's experiencing right now. Um, what what do you make of that? You know, was it was it just the promotion of like that particular show? I think that it was a big help. The fact that, um, you know, NXT decided to run on Christmas Day. AEW didn't. And mm-hmm. you would think that that would have, you know, potentially provided some momentum for NXT. But the following week, to me, it just built up AEW um, that much further the following week. Um, I, I think people saw January 1st as a big show from AEW and NXT was not putting out a live show that week. And I think given, you know, the proximity that it's a holiday, um, more people than most were willing to watch it. And I would say that the following week was a direct result of people tuning in the week prior, mm-hmm. liking what they saw. And they came back the following week. Um, so, you know, the first three weeks of January, they topped 940,000 viewers. Last week was uh, down to 871. That was the tape show, which I took that as a, no, good number, knowing that it's a taped show. And I think seeing the rating this week, taped or not, has zero effect. It meant nothing. It meant yeah. nothing that it was taped last week in comparison to this week, um, drawing a, a lower number. Um, but overall, I mean... Still number three. In the main demo, like that, that's a big win for them. I don't yep. know if they've ever finished third before. I'd mm-hmm. have to go and look back at that. Uh, they were up against a... Um, an NBA game that they actually beat out um, in the key demo. The, um, the game that was going against them was uh, Detroit and Brooklyn. It did 876,000 viewers, so more in total viewers, but AEW edged them out in the 18 to 49 demo. Right. And the number one for the night was the, uh, the Houston Portland game that started after dynamite and NXT had ended. So that wasn't competition. Any um, maybe conclusions as to whether or not the, um, the the um, overrun might have affected the rating for NXT this week. I think it had to have. Like that always would prop them up a little bit, not to the extent that it would have been competitive with AEW, but I'm sure I'm sure that hindered them a little bit. Um, to the point that um, it's it's almost I don't know if it would have made the difference between what they last week they did seven sixty nine. I don't think the overrun was going to push them to to that high, mm-hmm. but I, I'm certain the overrun uh, affected them somewhat. Right. So having that gone, um. Yeah, it's it, it. It was an edge that artificially enhanced NXT's number every week. Having those five to ten minutes, that was more of a Roth angle, wasn't it? Oh, I guess so. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. That's uh, <laughs> it was a uh, destiny for you to oh, make that joke. 
So anyway, uh, uh, we'll have a further uh, detailed uh, ratings report uh, coming out uh, later on uh, this evening, providing I'm, uh, I'm still alive. I woke up today, did the show with Way on Wednesday night, and I went to sleep around uh, 1.15 or so. And then I woke up today and my head was just killing me. And I got up and I was just feeling awful. And it just turned into a full out migraine. And this this morning was a complete write off for me. I was just dead, and then uh, was able to do the show today. But oh. I was uh, anyway. Thank you for being a trooper, John, and uh, getting through through the show with us. And thank I, you. I'm feeling a bit out of it, but nonetheless, it well, was great to uh, to chat with you. It was good to chat with you. It was good to chat to all the callers and everybody in the chat room. Hello, Jonathan Pine, John Pine. Thank you for the uh, Christmas card. <laughs> Hello, Chris Elliott. Hello, Brandon D. Edward Sierra, uh, Bruavin Khan. Uh, all you guys, thank you for being a part of the chat room. Thank you for calling in and thank you for listening. If you are listening to this after the fact, we are live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern exclusively for patrons and then free for everybody after the fact. So tune into the cafe hangout again. There's not going to be any music this week because my phone is dead. And so we are, uh, you got any, uh, good music on your uh, uh, phone, John, you want to go out to, um, not that isn't copyright free, so okay. I, I don't know if that's uh, you know the what? best idea. Maybe, maybe no music this week, okay. unfortunately. Um, unless, I could play something for unless you. Unless you want to hum something. Um, to take okay, us well, maybe out. we can do that. Uh, for patrons, just want to make a uh, give you a reminder Friday night, Way and I are back with Rewind to SmackDown. Sunday night, we have a bonus show going through the New Japan cards from Sapporo. We'll be going through the highlights of both shows. And next Thursday on the Cafe Hangout, WWE investors call. So that means Brandon Howard has been summoned to join us here on the Cafe Hangout. So wow. that is it for waiting. I'm John Pollock, and Wei will take us out. Buddha, 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 da, da, da.